As your Associate Dean of Student Engagement said, I, Mr. Gerbala said, I hope to address you once a month. The nature of godliness is a topic that has been on my mind and I hope to speak to you on that. I was, however, um, shall I say, intrigued at convocation when uh, Vice President uh, Chad Cunningham came up to pray. He prayed for something that I had been meaning to speak to you about this morning. He asked many times to the Lord that we may all be teachable. And the theme, part of the theme this morning is whether I am teachable. You have come, after all, to college with the goal of learning. Being teachable is much more than being here and learning the material for your class. Proverbs chapter 9, which was read to you, sort of depicts a, a drama of sorts. You have two characters. You have Lady Wisdom and Madame Folly at the opposite sides of the stage. They are actually both trying to occupy the same niche, the tops of the towers or the hills of the city, and they're both trying to get your attention. Now, Lady Wisdom and Madame Folly are personifications. Sometimes, you know, when we read about wisdom depicted as a woman, um, I have to kind of double check because wisdom to be depicted as a woman is sort of normal for Hebrew grammar. The word wisdom, chokhmah, is a feminine noun. All nouns in Hebrew are either masculine or feminine, and therefore the pronouns ascribed to them would auto to wisdom would automatically be she. But there is actually personification here because her counterpart is actually called a woman of folly. And also in this picture, they are depicted with uh, maidservants who are going out, carrying out, giving out invitations, doing the work for them. Both of them, wisdom and folly, foolishness, they want you. The first question of wisdom for you this morning would be to whom, which of them will you turn? To which of them, between wisdom and folly, Will you turn? They both have the same invitation. And we should probably put this up on the MAS Bible College board. Come this way, you dummies. <laughs> That's what they are saying. You simpletons. You who have not yet developed a full discernment about the vagaries of life. The deceptiveness of things you might encounter in actual life in this world. You come to me and obtain discernment, says wisdom. You come to me, let me corrupt you, says folly. Wisdom's call is to those who desperately need it, the undiscerning, those who have room to learn of the deviousness of sin and the varieties of moral corruption that is, which are in this world. And wisdom's goal is to teach you to shun it and to embrace and to choose what is right and pleasing before God. To choose what is right both in regard to our private conduct and in regard to our public conversation. 
That's the subject matter wisdom. How should I live? How should I behave? How should I conduct myself in a way that is right before God because what is right before God is going to be ultimately what is going to be good for me. So there are, there are not two options to pick and choose. What is right before God is what is good for me. What is going to be good for me is what is approved by God. So Lady Wisdom is calling and so is Madam Folly. However, there's a difference between them. Madam Folly is not only an advocate of folly, she is also the personification of naivete. That's in uh, verse 13. The woman of folly is loud. She is, ESV says seductive, but really the word is, she is naivete. It's the same abstract form of the word for being simple or naive. She is naivete personified. She has no wisdom to impart. She is foolishness personified, but she is still calling you, inviting you, to come and partake of what she has to give. Wisdom choice number one for you. Whose invitation will you accept? And you say, ah, that's obvious, right? That's obvious when you have to give a testimony. Is it obvious when you actually respond to solicitations as you go through your daily life? Do you always respond to Lady Wisdom? Or do you sometimes, do I sometimes listen to Madam Folly? Sin is devious and deceptive. I was just thinking of this, you know, the, the water that comes into the house comes in narrow pipes. And all life you've been drinking from this potable water which comes from your well or from this, the city corporate supply. Um, and at some time, it's, some time you begin to think, uh, in addition to these narrow pipes, there are these large pipes present in the city. They also have water. What's so wrong with drinking from the sewer? When I put it like this, I, ah, right? But do some of us go to the sewer to drink? You know it is bad. You know it is outside of what God has designed for us and is good and is healthy. God has created us in his image and likeness and designed life to be a certain way. And sin deceives us about the goodness of the things that God has ordained for us. So both of these, so the woman of, of wisdom, she's actually uh, setting out a feast. She has uh, slaughtered her animals. The meats are there. And she has uh, mixed her wine. That sort of reminds me of something that really comes to us from the Greek classical culture five centuries later, Proverbs Solomon is the head of classical Greek by here five centuries. It's called a symposium. The symposium is really an assembly of, of drinking where they actually take wine and there are actually particular craters, large vessels in which it is mingled, four parts of water, one part of wine is how they did it. 
and even um, um, Plato speaks of the symposium, they sit all night and discuss philosophy. They do other things too, but we are not interested in that. But the wisdom has uh, put out a feast, uh, plenty of meat and even enjoyment. And so here's one of the deceptions of, of sin is that the thing that, you know, uh, wisdom uh, is boring. Uh, to be holy is not to be happy. Uh, righteousness uh, is not exciting. And the truth is quite the opposite. Righteousness is really the best thing. It is the best experience of life. Holiness is the utmost in terms of how to enjoy life that God has given us. Madam Folly, on the other hand, she says, I have, I have also stuff for you. It is stolen water and bread eaten in hiding. Come to the end of the chapter, that is what she's inviting you to, to consume. She says, you know, come, this stolen water, this is good. You should ask the question that's in your mind, how can it be good? It is not good, but there is deception. And the bread of those in hiding, and I think that is probably the more correct way to read it, I won't go into the Hebrew, um, is pleasant. Which of them is more fun? Here's actually the lie that came to us from the very beginning. God, the gracious creator, put, created our first parents, put them in a beautiful orchard, and he didn't say, don't you dare eat any of it. Is that what he said? No, he said quite the opposite. He said, you may freely eat. Sometimes we have an idea of holiness and Christian life that it's a rejection of life itself, that to be holy, you renounce the world. In other parts of the world, in fact, where Christianity has been contaminated by Eastern philosophy, it comes through. I was actually thinking through a, a series of, of hymns that I grew up singing. Very often, when they talk about following the Lord, they speak about um, rejecting joy or happiness. That's not a biblical teaching. God has created us in a way to enjoy life in a world that is full of beauty and enjoyment that he has made and provided to us. He tells us that to abide within his will is the best way to enjoy this. And life in its experience will bear that out. The holy life is a good life. It is a happy life. Think about sometimes, you know, children like you, I, I don't assume for all of you, but many, like my children, um, who grew up in a home with a father and mother who loved each other, who uh, worked well together, uh, think you are missing out on something because you did not grow up in the midst of dysfunctionality. Oh, nobody got into drugs. What a boring life. Nobody is abusing somebody else. Boy, we missed out on the good stuff. Is it boring to live up, live, to be brought up and to grow up in a righteous, godly, God-honoring environment? No, it is a blessing. And you should count it a blessing. And you shouldn't want to depart from the good things that the knowledge of God has brought into your life. 
the rest of them are craving for the, the, the balance and the support and the steadiness that you have been blessed with as you came through life, if by the grace of God that was your part. And if that has not been fully the case, there is still the grace of God reaching out to us, changing us, teaching us the truth, allowing us to come into tune with what is good and healthy. Wisdom really has a full feast for you. And what is interesting is that you don't have to hide to enjoy it. It is not stolen water. It is not bread eaten by those who are hiding. It is in full view. So when whatever is right before God, we should really with a good conscience be able to own. If my conduct is something that I am hesitant to own in public, then there is a problem with it. The hiddenness and the secret works of darkness, they do not believe belong in the Christian life. It is something that the Apostle Paul says, we have renounced the hidden things of shame. We don't have any part in it. We want to enjoy the life of God fully. Madam uh, Folly versus uh, Lady Wisdom, they also really offer you two opposites. One in verses 6 and 10, wisdom offers you life, long life, the life of God. Folly offers you death. You don't know it when you go her way. When you choose the ways of sinful corruption that is in the world that masquerades in so many ways and comes to you uninvited through the things that you have with you constantly, such as electronic devices. And the, 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 the folly that is spewn out in all of the dialogues and discussions and debates and words. I'm not even just talking about pictures now. Even just the words of folly and deception out there. They come, they want to masquerade, pretend to be good and helpful, but they are not. They bring death. Wisdom number one is to listen and to seek true wisdom, not folly. Wisdom, aspect of wisdom number two is this. Will you actually listen? First question is, who will you listen to? You should listen to wisdom and not foolishness. Second, will you actually listen? Are you teachable? So verses 7, 8, and 9 say this. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. <laughs> so one who corrects a scoffer is one who gets for himself abuse, uh, to be made light of, to be reviled. One who reproves a wicked man is one who gets for himself injury. People's you know, dispositions vary. Some only talk back to you if you try to correct them. <laughs> Others might strike out if you try to correct them. Depends on their own level of commitment to what is wrong. The one who corrects a scoffer gets himself abused. He who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, he will love you. Wisdom. Wisdom applies also in being taught. Wisdom applies in receiving wisdom. To be truly wise is to have a teachable heart. Is the old saying, I don't know if you have heard it, God has given you two ears and one mouth or one tongue so that you may listen twice as much as you speak. 
We should be teachable people willing to listen. Um, and uh, mind you, you don't have to be an old person, even a, an adult or even a teenager to be foolish. That's why I remember as a little boy, I was a fool. I remember once a gentleman trying to teach me something, which is, he, he, we were traveling in the bus, he was sitting next to me and saw this little fellow and wanted to impart some wisdom of technology to him and told me there was fire inside the bus engine or he told me actually there was uh, uh, you know, gasoline in the engine what it would uh, burn like kerosene and I kind of laughed at him thinking that, ah, it's all gonna explode. <laughs> My father who was in another seat was very angry when we were done with that trip. He said, that man, man was trying to be nice to you and teach you something and you didn't say this, you spoke like a fool. You don't have to be very old to reject wisdom and to be unteachable. You have to actually learn to become teachable. And actually, it, it's, it's most challenging when somebody points out your mistakes. Maybe corrections on tests and exams we accept much more easily than mistakes in conduct. Is very, it takes grace to own up when you mess up and to be corrected and to be willing to change. It is why it is wisdom to accept correction. Correct a scoffer, you get abuse. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. I hope to get a lot of loving responses from my class this semester. To be happy for correction, to be given insight. Ah, that was wrong. I shouldn't do it that way. Give instruction to a wise man, he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, he will increase in learning. Being teachable was really also an issue in the Garden of Eden. The snake came and said, listen, your creator is not good. <laughs> He's trying to keep good things from you. And then he said, you know what? You don't have to listen to him about right and wrong, you can decide it yourself. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil will make you wise like God, knowing good and evil. You can be the autonomous source of judgments about right and wrong. You have the intuition about it yourself. No one needs to tell you. You don't need the Bible. You don't need God. You can decide what is right and wrong. And that is to reject the teaching of God and being teachable. The scoffer laughs at God and godliness. He hates correction. He's not teachable. And conceit and pride are what characterize him. The wise will learn and correct their way. The scoffer persists in his or her follies. Don't be angry with your teachers for assignments and deadlines. They're trying to do right by you with a good conscience. And don't be a complainer. Heed the prayer of Moses, the earliest psalm we have in the Psalter is Psalm 90, ascribed to Moses at the end of perhaps the wilderness journey. A whole generation has died, and he says, you know, life is so fleeting. Here we are today and, and gone tomorrow. God has been our dwelling place for, from the foundation, creation of the earth, but our life is so fleeting and then Moses says in Psalm 90, verse 11 and 12, who understands the power of your anger and your fury? 
according to the fear that is due you. And then this, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom, that we may present to you wisdom. Lord, help us to take stock of this fleeting life and to be teachable, to learn, to listen, to heed, to take to heart that we would present wisdom coming out of our life when we are before you. Wisdom is the benefit itself. An ultimate wisdom would be to be able to think the right thoughts and to speak the right words and to do the right deeds. That would be ultimately wisdom. And we should listen to God above all for that and be teachable, be willing to be corrected, be willing to change our ways. May the Lord grant you a heart of wisdom as you seek him this semester. May he bless you in your undertaking here as a student. May, may he make you a blessing to other, your fellow students and everyone that you interact with. And may we look back and say, Lord, thank you for instructing us.